Even though you may not have visited the boyhood hometown of Walt Disney before, that's Marceline, Missouri, you maybe kind of have. My first time was in 1987. Hi, Dad. Hi, Hi, guys. My dad bought a video camera and brought it with my family on our visit to Disneyland in Southern California. How are you driving, Chris? Right after the turnstiles to the park, we see it. Main Street, USA. It's here, amidst the Casey Jr. Parade today, that you can see and feel the resemblance to the main thoroughfare of Kansas Avenue in Marceline. But if you haven't been to Disneyland, or Disney World, or Tokyo Disneyland, or Disneyland Paris, you get the idea. Maybe you've seen the influence of Marceline in Disney's movies. Say, that's it. You think of a wonderful thought. Any happy little thoughts? The first play Walt attended is Peter Pan, and he played the role in a school play. He can fly! He can fly! He flew! The farm animals of the agricultural town inspire Walt and he makes the story of Ferdinand the Bull into an animated film. All the other little bulls he lived with would run and jump and butt their heads together, but not Ferdinand. Lady and the Tramp takes place during the same time Walt grows up in Marceline. Walt frequently found a way to give his hometown its place in his work. He spent a good chunk of his childhood here in the town of just over 2,000 in northern Missouri. Marceline sits along Highway 36, commonly called the Highway of American Genius. Mark Twain spent some time just down the road. Today, the memory of Walt and his family survive primarily through the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. Kay Mallins is the director. She knows every detail of where Marceline lives in Disney's work. If you go to Disneyland, you find the Hotel Marceline right on Main Street, USA. You go by the theater, the mannequin in the ticket booth, her name tag reads Tilly, Marceline, Missouri. You want to buy candy at downtown Disney, you buy it at Marceline's Confectionery. Kay says Walt loved Marceline. She greets museum guests and helps them envision what Walt saw in Marceline. A handful of guests visit today. The license plates in the parking lot are from Missouri and Oklahoma. Two women work at the desk, each with a pin proudly displaying when they met Walt, among dozens of other pins collected over the years. When Kay talks about Walt's story, there's a proud glint in her eye. If you think of it, he made a decision that when he built Disneyland, that everybody had to walk down Main Street, Marceline, before they could decide which land to go to. So he wanted everybody to experience just for a little bit what he had as a child. The desire to share his childhood with others inspires Walt to create another theme park that is different than any other project he's attempted. He wants to explore the simpler aspects of rural American life. Walt wanted to create a farm-themed park which would help to show kids in the mid-20th century, the mid-late mid 20th century, what a farm was like in the days of his childhood, in other words, at the, at the beginning of the 20th century. 
Dan Veets is a lawyer by trade, but also an avid Disney historian and co-author of Walt Disney's Missouri. He's going to help us tell this story, along with Kay Mallins from the museum. Walt sensed rural America could one day fade away, so he decided to preserve that culture in a theme park. The place for that park? Marceline. It would be dubbed the Marceline Project, and it would fail. Welcome to Show Me the State, the program where we explore the strange, misunderstood stories of Missouri's past and try to figure out what really happened, why did it happen, and how has that shaped the state today? I'm Christopher Husted. You're listening to Show Me the State on KBIA 91.3 FM. Check out our other podcasts, The Obvious Question and The True False Podcast on KBIA.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to Show Me the State. Walt, uh, of his 65 years on Earth, spent 15 of them here in Missouri. Uh, Five years from roughly the age of four to nine years old. He was in Marceline, Missouri on a little farm just outside uh, the edge of town. He always looked back on those years as, as idyllic and and uh, the most uh, pleasant and fun years of his whole life. To understand why Walt Disney wanted to put a theme park in Marceline, we first have to understand what happened to Walt in Marceline as a child. Walt is born in 1901 and arrives from Chicago in 1906 to Marceline with his family at the Santa Fe Depot. Marceline, like a lot of little Midwestern towns, was actually created by the railroad. Steam engines in those days needed every 100 miles to have a spot where they could stop to take on fuel, which was generally coal at that time, it had been wood in earlier days, uh, and a place to take on water. Steam engines obviously run on, on uh, water, uh, steam from water, uh, and they also need to take on sand. Uh, They have to have a little bell of sand on top of that engine to get their footing, to get a grip. And and so uh, they had to take on those three commodities roughly every 100 miles. Marceline is a relatively new town, having been laid out only 20 years before Walt's arrival. So for Walt, coming from Chicago, this is a pristine, fresh, rural experience. In the early 1900s, Marceline's population is peaking at about 4,000. It has only decreased since then. Walt sees Marceline as an idealistic lifestyle. He rides around town with a local doctor, stopping at different houses along the way to treat the neighbors. Sometimes he steals vegetables from his neighbor's garden for his grandma. In turn, she gives him candies. Most of the time, however, he spends hanging out on his family farm. He enjoyed living on the farm. He enjoyed being around animals, both wild animals and the domesticated farm animals. The most special part of the farm to Walt is his dreaming tree. It's here Walt makes his first sketches, even though Walt's father prefers to have his kids working on the farm. Elias did not think his son should be spending time daydreaming and drawing. So Walt would take the materials that his aunt gave him, and he'd go lie beneath the branches of this giant cottonwood tree, and that's where he very first started to draw. He'd lie on his stomach, he'd observe all of nature around him, and then he would sketch it. At the tree, Walt dreams up some of his most important creations. The tree provides an avenue for him to simply relax and let his imagination wander. It would remain a favorite spot, 
Later in life, when Walt passes through Marceline, he'll often pit stop at the tree to sketch. During Walt's stay in Marceline, he sees Peter Pan the play, reprises the titular role in his elementary school play, falls in love with railroading, and sells his first drawing. Eventually, Elias, Walt's dad, is drawn to Kansas City. Rural America is great, but there are some great jobs and opportunities in the city. Rural towns could only offer so much for his family. Fast forwarding some years later, Walt spends time in Kansas City, Chicago, and France before landing in Hollywood to be a director. Now, while Walt Disney may be the most recognizable member of his family, others in his family played major roles as well. From his father, Elias, he learned hard work. His brother, Roy, however, was necessary for the success Walt experiences later on. Roy uh, was a financial genius. Roy Disney enabled Walt Disney throughout their lives uh, as little children. Roy would see, as you can hear on the recording of, of uh, Walt's speech in Marceline, he would say whenever we went, we went into town, my big brother Roy would see that I had a dime or a nickel. Roy was always my big brother, and he always took care of me. He always saw that if anything come to town, if I had a dime or a nickel to go and spend it. And I remember one time he washed a hearse down here, and he said, Walt, we've got a job washing the hearse. So uh, we went down to wash the hearse. Well, he did the work, and I played dead inside the hearse all day. And throughout their lives, uh, Roy provided the money uh, for Walt's ideas uh, and crazy schemes. When it came to those crazy schemes, Walt had many. Walt's most adventurous ideas were his theme parks, starting with Disneyland in California. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. There, Walt was able to pay homage to Marceline. Other ideas for parks came fast and furious to Walt. Beginning in the 1950s, he starts to plan his second amusement park in Central Florida. He has ideas for a ski resort in Northern California, and he begins negotiations to open a Riverside amusement park in St. Louis. These are all great dreams, and Walt definitely dreams big. But he still yearns to share his childhood life with the world. How can he make that happen? And what would it look like? How long would the image he holds of Marceline last? Always wonderful to have a hometown. You know, I feel sorry for people who live in cities all their lives and they don't have a little hometown. I do. I was uh, born in Chicago and I'm glad that my dad picked out a little town where he could have a farm because uh, those six years that we spent here have been memorable years. In 1956, a door opens. Marceline decides to open the first public pool in Lynn County, and the pool needs a name. The townspeople decide no one would be more fitting than Walt Disney. Here's Kay Mallins again, director of the museum. So my dad said, let's write Walt Disney and see if it'd be okay. Everybody's going, oh, we'll never hear from him. We heard right back. He was very excited, and could he bring Roy? Roy would like to come as well. So Walt and Roy and their wives, Edna and Lillian, all came in on the train. Big, big deal when they came into the station where we're standing right now. Still, there's one issue. Marceline doesn't exactly have the accommodations up to par for an important family like the Disneys to stay at the time. They go, where are they going to stay? 
because our hotel was kind of run down and it didn't have air conditioning. This was 1955. I mean, excuse me, 56. A lot of places didn't have air conditioning at that time. So my folks had just built a new ranch style house and it had air conditioning. And my dad was on the city council. So they said to my dad, well, the Disney stay with you. And without asking my mother, uh -oh. My father said, sure. And so it is. Of course, the Disneys also wanted to return to their childhood farm. Walt and Roy are giddy with excitement, pointing at things they remember around the farm. As they make their way around the property, Walt spots it. When Walt saw his dreaming tree was still there, he was thrilled. So we had to take all his photos of him down by his dreaming tree when he was there. Maybe it's the location, but the wheels in Walt's head start turning. So that night, after they toured Marceline, and we had a couple of receptions, and Walt and Roy and my dad were sitting in our family room, and Walt looks at my dad, and he said, do you know who owns my boyhood home farm? And dad said, yes, I do. And Walt said, you can buy it cheaper than I can, go buy it. This is it. Walt can buy back the land and put his park here. It all makes sense. It's the 50s, and this iconic lifestyle of rural America is riding high. But who knows for how long? Kay's father starts purchasing the land for Walt, with Walt's intention being to build a rural America theme park, or the so-called Marceline Project. Walt wants to keep this plan under wraps, so he uses his private company called Retlaw, Walter spelled backwards, to bankroll the project. Walt has high aspirations for the park, Kay says. Walt would frequently call her house at night asking for her father. They spend hours discussing plans for the park and what he wants to include. And the things that he was thinking about having were a small town, a barber shop, a general store, a butcher shop, a pool hall, a bar would serve sarsaparilla, <laughs> and uh, grape wine and cider. Uh, so anyway, he, had, he was going to recreate Marceline in Marceline. Marceline in Marceline. It's like if Mr. Rogers, Norman Rockwell, and Alice Waters teamed up together to make a park. Walt knew time is limited for Small Town USA, and he wants to capture this moment because he felt if there wasn't a reminder of this way of life, it would fade. Walt was such a visionary. He said, there'll come a day when a child will not know what an acre of land is. There'll come a day when a child will not know what happens when you put a, a seed in the ground. It was this belief that America's roots in agriculture and small-town togetherness would soon fade that drove the project. If Walt had his way, the Marceline Park would be educating today's generations. Even though Walt believes in this pet project park, it was never meant to be. Those plans never made it past a few mock-ups, paintings, and blueprints. In 1966, just 10 or so years after the beginning of the Marceline Project, Walt Disney died from lung cancer, leaving the Marceline, Florida, and Northern California projects unfinished. Unfortunately for Marceline, the timing could not have been worse. One night, Roy calls Kay's father to discuss the future of the Marceline Project. When Walt passed away, they'd already started purchasing land in Florida. So he made Roy promise to come out of retirement to finish the Florida project, which he did. And after they finished the Florida project, Roy called my dad and he said, you know, he said, I am not feeling very well, very well myself. And uh, there's two projects we're not gonna do. One's in Northern California, the Mineral King Project, and one's in Marceline. The Florida project, 
better known today as Walt Disney World, wrapped up in 1971. But it took its toll on Roy. He, like Walt, loved Marceline. But his waning health made it difficult to work on the project. So uh, what was the conversation like with Roy and your dad when he decided to not finish the Marceline project? Well, we had a feeling that might be in the works because, I mean, Roy had a lot on his shoulders. And the fact that they were doing it through Retlaw, which was their private company, not through the Disney company, uh, was pretty telling to us. Yeah. So I think Dad was expecting it. It was, of course, disappointment. So he sold everything back to my dad. So do you, does your family still own that land now? Yes. Actually, I live there. You live on the Marceline Project. I do. Or what could have been the dream of it. I live in Walt's house. If Marceline held any hope for the project being finished, it faded when Roy died in 1971, leaving Marceline parkless. But there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Marceline isn't just any other small town. We'll be right back. I'm going to take a quick little break here to put some other shows on your radar. KBIA has two other podcasts to check out. The Obvious Question takes on the assumptions, misconceptions, and ignorance others have about people with disabilities. And the True False podcast that goes beyond the film festival to explore documentary with the filmmakers. Find those and Show Me the State on KBIA.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to KBIA 91.3 FM. Now back to Show Me the State. Walt Disney found rural America magical. Marceline and rural America are places of wonder and inspiration. It was where he learned to dream and continued to dream with every visit. Listen, I've been an agricultural reporter in mid-Missouri for years. I've been to a lot of small towns in the state, and today it's clear many rural towns have had their heyday and are waning in size. If Walt were to move to Marceline today, he might have a different experience. I think that's really interesting because when Walt moved to Marceline, he was just at the right age. And you have to think when he moved here, we were a pretty new town. You know, we were getting electricity for the first time, telephones were coming in. It was an exciting time to live in a town like Marceline. And plus there was this sense of community, which I think Walt, and I found out later Ruth and Roy, never felt again their entire life because they were just embraced here. And it's the only time Walt got to be a kid. While towns like Marceline were once new and growing, many are facing a rapid decline. Much like the Marceline Project, without a driving economic force powering the town forward, they're dwindling. Nearly 35% of rural towns are now experiencing some significant population decrease. Between 1950 and 2016, Counties with shrinking populations lost more than one-third of their original population, according to a study by the University of New Hampshire. Sarah Lowe is an associate professor of regional economics at the University of Missouri. She says there are three major issues dragging down rural America. Number one, young people just don't want to return home after college. A lot of times those, those businesses, particularly non-farm businesses, the owner retires, nobody wants to come back and buy a grocery store in a town where there's not enough people to really, you know, meet the economic demands of a grocery store, for example. For northern Missouri and Marceline, this trend has been occurring for years, Lowe says. Interestingly enough, in a way, Walt represented the opposite. 
leaving the town and trying to come back, at least financially, with a park in tow. For northern Missouri, the the peak of the Main Street economy, as we would like to say, think of a small town economy, was decades and decades and decades ago. The decline in rural America isn't only due to population, which brings us to issue number two, innovation. And so what has been happening over the past 50 years is um, the mechanization of agriculture, the investment, the USDA research, the innovation has made farmers much more productive. So we get a higher yield on, on the same acre, but also in terms of productivity, lower demand for labor. So one farmer can do now what it took a lot of farmers and a lot of horses to do. And number three, infrastructure, especially a connection to the rest of the state and country. We hear a lot, a lot, a lot about broadband and access to the Internet for rural communities. Why is that so important? I think in this day and age, access to broadband Internet is going to define what communities make it or break it, particularly in rural America. No one is going to return to their rural community, to Marceline from Kansas City, if they can't stream Netflix. (laughs) And that's not an economic case, but it's a quality of life thing. It's a real issue. While outlook for rural America can be dire, some towns have found effective ways to, at the very least, sustain their community. They're basing things on their assets, their natural amenities, their cultural assets, their political capital, perhaps, or, you know, their infrastructure assets like broadband Internet or access to a highway. And they can be happy being a bedroom community. Bedroom communities are the towns where people live, but then commute to the larger cities, which function more as the service center. But at least everybody returns home. While every town wants to remain its own entity, Lowe says becoming a bedroom community is one of the more effective ways rural communities near big cities sustain themselves. But realistically, Lowe says, let's face it, most towns in rural America won't see population increases without a well-thought-out strategy. There are very few rural communities in Missouri that I think are going to grow. You know, without, without a lake or without some kind of special sort of thing that you can't just pick up and move to a community. Um, I think, I think being a be- accepting being a bedroom community and then building a nice lifestyle around that, building businesses that are open after 6 o'clock when people get home, <laughs> building businesses that are open on the weekends when people are there so that they don't go back to the big town on the weekend to spend their money, that they stay in town. Those are some of the strategies for successful small rural communities and strategic planning. In many ways, Walt was right. He wanted to give Marceline that strategic lake or that special business to lure people in and economically keep the town afloat. And a lot of children today probably don't know what an acre of land is or how to plant a seed and tend to it to grow food. A visit to Missouri's Marceline Project could have helped. Marceline has faced its share of problems, but it still stands. Kansas Avenue still stands as it did when Disney arrived. The train still runs through town many times a day. At the train stop where the Disneys once arrived in Marceline, now stands the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. And unlike many similar towns, the population has never dipped below 2,000. Although the years show, Marceline maintains so much of what makes small-town America iconic. Marceline has all the key elements of a small town. The main street, uh, the friendly people, 
the old, uh, the older style architecture, and uh, well, it comes right back down to the people that make it. That's Richard Hoon. He is the city manager of Marceline. Hoon first moved to Marceline in 2014 and says the city is as friendly a place as it was when Walt Disney arrived. Uh, how do I describe it? Well, when I first got here, I was driving through miles and miles of agriculture. Um, not a lot to see. I come up over the last hill to Marceline, and I thought, what the heck is this? It was like an oasis in the middle of nowhere. Uh, everything became green. People were waving, and they didn't even know who I was. Marceline has evolved, though, and brought in industry. Today, the economy is no longer driven solely by the railroads or agriculture, something Hoon is proud of. What's the you know, largest, I guess, like employer or economic driving force here? The largest employer itself is the uh, Wallsworth Publishing Company. They make yearbooks. They've been doing it for many years. And we also have others, such as More Fans and Hurt Fabrication. And the great thing about Marceline is, if you look at other cities and towns, they hang their hat on one thing, whether it's uh, somebody who lived here long ago or they were home of the 1973 AAA baseball basketball, something or other, uh, we have several things. So, you know, if one or one of them uh, doesn't do so well, the others pick up the slack. Essentially a diversified economy. Correct. Marceline's resilience and ability to adapt, especially recently, is something that Kay Allen's praises. All town, little towns have gone through hard times, and we're not exempt of that. We've had the same thing. But in the last two years, people are buying buildings and they're redoing them and new businesses are going in. And, um, you know, we really desperately need a hotel. But right now, we have 10 guest houses where people can spend the night and people are just doing that on their own initiative. So there's, there's something happening and it's, it's fun to be a part of. There will always be a question of what might have been had the park in Marceline come to fruition. And there's still a chance someday someone might want to pick up where Roy and Walt left off. But Kay is confident that Walt would be just as proud today as she is. If Walt were here today, uh, what would you ask him? Walt, how do you think we're doing? What do you think he would say? Yeah, good job, Kay. <laughs> How's the house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you keeping my bedroom clean? <laughs> Show Me the State is produced at KBIA at the Missouri School of Journalism. Noah Taborda produced this episode. The supervising producer and reporter is me, Christopher Husted. Our managing editor is Ryan Famuliner. Our theme music and original scoring was created by Columbia band Loose Loose. Special thanks to Dan Veets for the audio recording of Walt Disney's visit to Marceline on July 4th, 1956. Thanks also to the Reynolds Journalism Institute and to the Kinder Institute on Constitutional Democracy.
born in Chicago, and I'm glad uh, my dad picked out a little town where he could have a farm because uh, those six years that we spent here have been memorable years. And I think they've played a big part in some of the corny gags that I've put in the cartoons. <laughs> I know in the early cartoons, uh, I used to feature a little outhouse, and I know darn well I got that here in Marshall. 